I'm Jackie Vandertoon, and on today's podcast, we're excited to have with us Steve Coburn, Jody McNeil, and Norm Naden. Virtual running races have taken off in the last few years, and all of these people have been involved in the process of organizing races virtually. And we're going to discuss why they decided to go this route, the benefits of virtual races, and the future of virtual races. Hi, I'm Jess White, and I would like to begin by asking each of you um, to share your own background when it comes to racing. So let's begin with you, Jody and Norm. How I started running? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, more specifically, it's how I got into endurance sports, and that's about 21 years ago on a dare. <laughs> this one here <laughs> dared me. Okay. Dared me to go beyond my comfort zone, out of my comfort box. And 21 years later, I'm still uh, doing it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. For daring me. Because you were doing different types of races prior to doing just kind of dedicating your life to the running world. I was an adventure racer first uh, for about four years. And with adventure racing, it's a team sport. So it was difficult to have the team constantly get together and train. And then when the team disbanded, I said, okay, I'm going to start doing an individual sport, which was running. So that's how I got, became a runner. That's awesome. And, and I, I looked into, I looked into my future of standing at to finish lines and decided that I better <laughs> jump on board. Cause it's not fun standing there for three, four hours at a time. <laughs> so that's really why I started. Decided to get right in on the action. That's awesome. <laughs> so just letting our listeners know, these guys don't just do races. They do ultra races. And uh, I've cool. been so privileged to know these guys. Um, and for those of you who don't know, uh, an ultra race is anything over a marathon, 42 kilometers. So um, I was very privileged to see Jody do her first 100 kilometers. I was so excited <laughs> cool. to be there. Wow. And Norm... Um, Judge not because Norm spends a lot of time by himself doing a hundred mile races. So um, pretty amazing. And uh, Norm, maybe we can, if you're okay to talk about, you know, where you were going to go and pre-COVID. So yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> it still keeps me up at night. Um, the year 2020 was supposed to be my, be my trifecta year where the three races that um, I've been trying to get into for six, seven years <laughs> finally happened, which was the Boston Marathon, uh, the Western States 100, which is, which is considered the Boston Marathon of ultra running, and the UTMB, which is considered the Olympics of ultra running. And COVID shut that down pretty quick. <laughs> so no now I'm on, it's a waiting game for me because I keep getting deferred to this year. And then again, I'm going to be deferred again to next year. So I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's, I'm not going to stop until it does. I have to get these races done. <laughs> Good for you. And Jody, yeah. you just did hundred K. Well, not just, um, it does seem like just because COVID's gotten in the way and time has been warped. So what made you decide to do 100K? Or was that pressure from the other guy? <laughs> no, not really. I think um, when I did my first 50K, and, and this is going to sound strange, but I think you'll understand. I can explain it a little further. It'll sound strange to people that don't run, but I thought it was going to be harder. And, and I'm not a fast runner. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm mid to backpack and I'm fine with that. I'm never going to be fast. But when Norm does a hundred miles, I can see the toll that it takes on him. And I thought I would feel some of that in the 50 K and don't get me wrong. I did, but I don't think I got to that breaking point. And I, I kind of wanted to feel what that felt like. So the hundred K was sort of the next step. And I certainly experienced a bit more of a, a push during that, but I'm still not there. So that's going to keep me going, right? I, I can't say I'm going to do 100 miles, but I want to do more in terms of length and distance just to cool. see how my body reacts to it. 
you were the happiest finisher I've ever seen after hundred. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about ultra running is that it's not, it could be an ultra run in the desert. It could be in the mountains. It could be. Yeah. All kinds of different de- or different valleys. So you did a desert run basically. You're right. Right. So to do a hundred K in the mountains is a totally different totally ball game. Different thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Ooh. And I, I need the race in order to keep my running on target. I'm not that person. He'll just go out and run just because I I need a goal. So I've really struggled over the past year and a bit because I haven't had that. Right. And it's been challenging. It really has. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm Dave Marshall and uh, I just wanted to ask Steve, uh, what's your experience with racing? How did uh, you get the bug before you decided to organize runs? I was much later when I started. I was uh, probably my late 20s when I, uh, when I started running. And actually, the, the guy who really trained me, so my uncle, he's ex-British Army now. He's been retired for a long time. But my uncle, um, he was like, um, he was a 230 marathoner. So I remember being in, in Ireland over in Belfast. And we were talking about it and he just kind of started telling me how to train and teaching me how to train. And then I was very fortunate when I came back, um, I worked with a lady, uh, or she's a great lady, so Rima Abdo. So she won a bronze medal in swimming in the 84 Olympics. And so between my uncle and Rima, they taught me how to run. So I did my first marathon. I, I, yeah, I was 29 turning 30 and it was the, the Burlington one. And uh, the funny story with that, because I've got the picture. Um, so I, cause I knew nothing about this, but I'm just learning this stuff. So I do it in a cotton t-shirt. So I passed the finish line. And so for people who know, like, like men's nipples, like, so I've got these huge blood stains on my t-shirt and I cost the finish line and people are going, do you want to go to the first aid tent? I'm like, no, I'm just wanting to just finish this marathon. It's great. I actually, I was two thirty-five. sorry, three thirty-five. It's half with my time. And, and, and they look at my shirt and these, and then all of a sudden the pain kicks in. I'm like, oh my Lord. So there was some learning lessons early on about how to run. So how long was it before you finished the, from when you crossed the finish line to when the pain set in? Well, that's when I took a shower. <laughs> so <laughs> 30 or 35 minutes later. Yeah, oh yeah. Trust me. Never have that. And there's other discussions we can have, but it's not for this group right now. But, it, uh, it lasts for days, right? Oh, hundred percent norm. percent it does. But I, I just, it, learned, only, it happened to me once, just once. Yeah. You learn quickly. Never do that ever again. Never. Yeah. I don't think that's a mistake. People no. repeat on a regular basis. Oh no, no. But you know what? Uh, after that race, um, and then of course the encouragement, like I love race day. I love, I love the synergy. I love people being there. I love, uh, you know, people achieving goals like I did. And, uh, and I laugh because there's a story. So I was engaged to my wife at that time. And I knew she was the one for me because uh, learning hydration and what to eat. So I'm on, um, I'm on Lakeshore Boulevard and we're going back towards Burlington. Cause basically you're running up to Oakville and you're coming back. So, so there was, the runners could have one lane and the other lane was for vehicle traffic. So she pulls up beside me. She goes, do you need anything? I go, yeah, a Mars bar. So she goes up to a convenience store up ahead, gets me a Mars bar, and then she meets me. And then she, I, I might have been at mile um, 30 kilometers, give or take. And she gives me that Mars bar. So I get the sugar rush and I get the race done, right? So, but, uh, but no, I loved it. And so I've, I've, done, I've done eight marathons total. I've done a bunch of half marathons. Uh, I, I just love it. I just, it's so much fun. And, uh, and yeah, that's how I kind of got into it. And uh, just uh, haven't really stopped from there. It's all good. Now, have you worked your time closer to your uncle? No chance. Like he, he, used, he, he, used, he used to laugh at me, right? Because he called me, you're a part-time runner. Uh, because when he was in the army, like those guys, he goes, I ran to work. I ran home. They ran on their lunch break. They would put uh, rocks and knapsacks. They'd run mountains. And so, uh, so yeah, so it's, uh, he just called me a part-time runner because those guys, they were runners. So, yeah. And in army boots, probably too. Sometimes, yeah. He's actually got a and so running is important for him because he's got a bad story. And I was just thinking about it today when prepping for this. So um, he did his last six years in intelligence in, in Belfast. Like there's, there's problems, like actually there's problems right now. It's because of Brexit, right? So, and it was like that back in the, in the seventies and it's back again. So anyway, um, he was stationed somewhere outside of Belfast. So we lived in Lisbon, which is about 20 kilometers outside of Belfast. Anyway, um, we were gone. We were in Canada by then, but so he brought his, some of his guys from his army troop to Lisburn to do a race. So they do this race 
and uh, but he lives close by, so he goes home. Well, his his troop or guys from his troop they leave and they're killed by an IRA bomb. The whole they they blow up the they blow up the vehicle, oh, and no. so uh, there's actually a plaque on a, on a building in, in in Lisbon that lists all their names. So running has a whole different meaning for him. Like he loves it still, uh, but it's obviously got a whole different meaning because of what uh, what he experienced because um, because all the guys came to Lisbon because he asked them to to do this run. Right. So, but, uh, but he's a great man. He's, he's, he's all good, but, uh, but it takes a different, it's got a, just a different meaning for him because that, that, that story part of his life. Yeah. Running touches people in multiple ways and 100%. brings people together. Yeah. 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 Um, Jordy and Norm, uh, you guys have been racing for a few years now, as you mentioned. Um, why did you start organizing racing? So you've kind of, you know, moved into organizing since, since I've known you guys, you've been organizing races. So why and how are you uh, getting into that? I think it just ties in with the store that we owned at the time, right? Yeah, it seemed kind of a natural progression to and there and living where we live in Dufferin County and taking in the amazing trails that we have in this area and there were no races, it just seemed inevitable that people would come, right? As soon as they, as soon as they got a taste of what we get to run on in a daily basis up here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true. The, the more people that come up here and have no idea what, you know, mm-hmm. between the Bruce trail and Island Lake, and it's just, it's really, we're really fortunate. So we started with Chase the Coyote, um, actually would have been 10 years. <laughs> 10 years ago, yeah. Um, and then, you know, we've added on since then, but that, that's how we got into it because of having running free in town and it just seemed like a natural fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chase the Coyote was my first trail race many years ago. I'm wearing my um, rainbow oh. run and I have <laughs> lovely rainbow run <laughs> nice so uh i love your races i love volunteering <laughs> at them i have a ton of fun they're so well organized um and i'm so excited that you guys have really you know embraced this and i i think you've opened up the running community to many many people you know i started off just doing a 5.7 and it was so much fun it was my first introduction to to monocliffs and and i i was hooked from from then on into doing some races and stuff well you tackled a big challenge last year too that i recall (laughs) i i did it i did yes and we'll we'll uh see if that moves ahead i don't know if i'm ready for 100 but i i I truly enjoyed it so your company has got to run racing so where did you come up with that name and and you know where do you hope to kind of go with that that name started long before we had the store, actually. Um, we had another small business, totally not running related, and that was the name of it, Gotta Run. So when we uh, parted ways with Running Free and we decided that we wanted to expand on our brand and add more races, uh, we went back to the name because it just kind of fit. Uh, so we've, when we... Our goal last year was to add Rainbow Trail, which would have taken place at Earl Row, because um, we did want to expand on our race series. Uh, so we went virtual with that. And then Norm really wanted to get into doing podcasts, which we have recently as well. And we've started with some treadmill videos. That kind of came out of COVID because <laughs> we figured, you know, people are either stuck inside at the time when you weren't allowed to go on a trail so we created a couple videos that you could watch on your treadmill of our actual where our actual races take place and that you know we want to expand on that too um so that's how gotta run came about and we're just trying to build the brand and and more we want to keep people engaged especially now yes right (laughs) absolutely Absolutely. I was actually kind of surprised there wasn't a shameless plug of the podcast after you mentioned it. That was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Please pl- plug your podcast. It's totally fine. <laughs> what is the name? Well, it's, it's called Gotta Run Racing. <laughs> there you go. Pretty Gotta, simple. Run. <laughs> Gotta Run Racing Podcast. <laughs> yes. Now, Steve, yeah. you head up the Compass Run for Food. Um, now, 
what's uh, can you give us some information of kind of how that got started and um, really what's the backbone and purpose uh, behind that race and what do you think it brings to the community? Well, that's a big question there, David. There's lots of <laughs> lots of points in there, but but how I can tell you where it started, and it's been a lot of fun. It's a journey. Like we're we're starting year eight, and it's it's a great team. Let's be serious, and it's a great people. And I'll say one plug first, and then I'll tell you the story. Um, Jack, Jody, and Norm. I'm going to tell you when you joined us year one, like you gave us credibility. Like we had nothing. We were starting grassroots. We had nothing. So when you did you did your learn to run 5K program and your the, the actual race was our race that was huge for us and if I'm correct even the uh, year two so that'd be 15 uh, you had a much bigger team that joined that clinic and so to get us off off the ground because we were nothing no one knew anything about us uh, what you guys did trust me that helped us huge and so I don't think we've ever had a chance to say thank you but we're gonna say thank you right now. Uh, Cause that's exactly Absolutely that's our exactly. pleasure. Oh, trust me. It was a great relationship. Yeah. I, I even remember the guys on the, uh, on the mountain bikes who would lead, you know, the back in front of the, the do the trail sweeps. Those guys were great. So, but no, all of that helps <laughs> out with, it was, it was great. So, but going back to David's question. So um, I know how the race started. So my wife and I always enjoy the, um, the Oktoberfest run in, in KW. And so I remember it had to be year. Yeah. It was year 13. And, um, and I was, as in the, I was in, so this, that year they finished an arena. So I'm in the arena. We just, just 10 K run. It was great. A lot of great day. And I remember seeing all the people there, the band going, they had the stroller patrol people, the kid, the mothers and those kids. And there was, there was music, there was food. I'm like, man, I think we can do something like this. This is really cool. And so that's what just got the bug going. And then uh, I told a few people and then, um, and then that's where Mike, Matt, uh, Bree, uh, Jay, we all came together. Um, then I always thought, okay, it's got to benefit some somebody too, right? So what is the thing? I, I had a couple of different ideas, but then we kind of said, you know what? Let's do the food bank, 100%, Orangeville race. And so that way year one was let's raise $10,000 and let's give it to the Orangeville food bank. And that's how we started. And uh, so then it was, okay, so we're going to help people. So, and then it go, then it went, okay, now we got to hit the, the um, Dufferin County. So then Shelburne came involved. Okay. And of course, then dollar value had to go up as well. And then I always remember this. So I, my hamstrings were killing me. And I was, so I was one of my massage therapists here in town and Cheryl, and she's just driving her elbows in the back of my hamstrings, but for, for good reason. And at the same time, she's telling me about the food programs at some of the schools that are having problems raising money and that where her kids were going, they were having problems. Those kids were not getting fed. And that's how we thought, you know what, let's bring in the schools. And so then we first started in Orangeville, then with the Grand Valley, sorry, then Shelburne, then Grand Valley. So that's how we just kept on getting bigger and bigger with the race. And then, of course, having kids run races, and especially with what I do professionally, I'm going to tell you, just having kids involved in things is so important. I, like and I always say to people, I don't care if it's running, I don't, I, if it's sciences, the arts, I don't care what it is, but get them involved in stuff. Uh, and so that is so very important because if they don't, I'm going to guarantee you they're going down wrong roads and going to cause a lot of problems for themselves and other people. So, uh, so that's kind of the good stuff that's kind of come out of the run. David, we would raise a lot of money. Like you guys know, it's, it's been a quarter of a million dollars we did in seven years to feed people in the process, uh, process community. We're going to try and do 65 again this year. Uh, but just the good stories, the connections we've made, you know, we're bringing the, in what's really just happened just, just out of like it's organically. We've brought corporate, we've introduced them to the school systems and we've introduced them to the, to the, the, uh, the food banks and we put everybody together. And uh, together, everybody in the county is actually fighting food insecurity uh, via the run. So it's, uh, it's, been, it's been great. So that's kind of how it started and that's where we are right now. And like the reality is this is year eight for us. Who knows where we're going? Because even though, right. and I know we're going to touch base the virtual races, like we're not stopping. The need's great and people are still having fun running. It's a win-win. Mm-hmm. So Steve, you talked a little bit about 10K the first year. Can you talk about how much the run has donated um, to date? Because I think we we're missing that number and it's a big number. It's a great number. Oh, did I say that's a quarter million dollars? Oh, okay. Yeah. I oh, yeah. It, but yeah. And I, and I don't know, I know some of our team members thought I was nuts when I said after year six, I said, guys, let's go 65. Let's, let's hit a quarter million dollars. 
let's let's do this and you know but you know it's i i read jim collins book good to great you got to have big goals and they gotta cause you stress and problems and same thing like with, even if you're going to try different races you got to up the level but if, if they're not tough then they're really not a goal so uh so that's how we hit that quarter million and that that was tough to do uh, but look at the benefit, right? Especially in COVID, right? We were able to give money right away. We give $25,000 right off the bat in, in March of uh, 2020, right? Just to feed the food bank. There you go. There's your money. We'll, uh, we'll deal with everything later. So, uh, yeah. So and that was because of the community. I mean, the community oh. came together and, you know, it's not one person that, uh, that was able to donate 250,000. It was everybody combined was a, it was a huge group effort. Yeah. But I totally agree, David. Totally. Yeah. What was your numbers on the on year one? How many people so, signed? So, and that's the I tell us too, and that's like that goes back to what you guys did. Trust me, because even as I'm saying this, uh, Jody and Norm, uh, even for corporate to buy into us, which it took a long time. Like we've got some major corporate sponsors, like people in the community and people outside the community. Um, you guys gave us so much credibility that okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy into you guys because I'm gonna trust you guys. And so year one was 200 runners. And uh, ten thousand dollars, and then the last the last race we had, it was seven hundred and seventy runners, and uh, it was it was huge. And we had that we have that it was two hundred kids in this community running races. And the beauty is it I love too is that there's kids that would never be able to go to a race. They couldn't afford the fees. They would not get swag bags. They wouldn't get anything. But they're coming and they're getting all the stuff. And it was actually one of our corporate sponsors that told me this because he used to teach at ODSS. And he said, you know, because obviously this is a huge hockey and um, lacrosse community. Absolutely. Uh, but he goes, you know what? Kids are actually coming to school now wanting to join the track team because when they ran the Compass Run for food, they had a lot of fun and they enjoyed running. So now they want to try it at, at, uh, at, in high school. So that was, that was great. So. That is so exciting. I love how races bring the community together. That's mm -hmm. and, and that's what both of your races do. So... Moving into the future, COVID has taught us a whole bunch of things. So let's talk about moving into the future. All of you started racing in person and you've talked about, you know, your love. Jody said that, you know, racing for her actually coming to the race is a big part of this. So how have you embraced virtual racing? How did it come about? And what's the response that you've received in the last year? So let's start with um, you guys, uh, Jody and Norm. Well, funnily enough, we actually offered a virtual option to chase the coyote in 2019 before COVID even hit. And we did it after the event happened just to see if there was enough interest because we heard from lots of people that, you know, calendars are really full at that time of year. They couldn't make it to the race, but they still wanted to participate. So we opened it up for, I think it was three months Yeah, and we had just over a hundred people sign up for the virtual and that was across the world the world we yeah had, we had people in germany mexico australia mexico, u.s yeah so <laughs> um that was that was really positive and it and it also let us see that there's other uh avenues that we can expand on um because the fun part of virtuals is actually coming up with a theme right yes so uh, we worked on that throughout last year, early last year, even before COVID happened to think about, you know, what can we come up with that would appeal to a broader audience that we can reach more people. So then COVID hits and to the people that had already signed up for our three events back in April, we said, okay, do you want to be deferred to 2021 or would you participate in a virtual? And there was a good percentage of them that said, yeah, we'll take the virtual because they, again, they wanted something to look forward to. They needed to stay accountable. <clears throat> so um, we ran with that. And then we created uh, one more event that was only going to be virtual, which is our uh, Canada Parks. And that kept me, it kept us busy, <laughs> you know, because when you go virtual, Social media is a huge component of that. And it's almost as time consuming as being putting on an in-person event if you want to be successful, because there's so many aspects to social media, advertising, putting out relevant content, of course, right? 
and you have to keep the the uh, racer engaged. Yes. So it's um, I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon because the other thing with virtuals is that it appeals to that runner who may only run 15k a week, three 5ks that will never show up at a race, no matter how hard you try to convince them, they're not interested. They don't want to be competitive against other people. They're doing it for themselves or they're doing it on their own time. So I think they're here to stay. I also want to say that the, the fact that our, the people who signed up for our races, we, they had to defer to this year. Us putting a virtual on was also telling them that we're not going anywhere. We still have your back. We're not going to disappear. And that it tells them that we're, we're still around and yeah. that when we do have our races back in person, we're here for you. And then yeah. that, that they'll show up. So they know that we're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so those are a lot of really good, great benefits to it. Are there any downside of um, virtuals that, that you've come across? Uh, only that it, it is as much work. It, it is as much work as an in-person event because leading up to race day, it's Norm and I doing all the organizing. And then on race day, we're fortunate to have 60 to 70 volunteers who take on all the tasks, right? But it's as much work organizing and doing social media and ordering medals and swag and, and just keeping it relevant. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is like you're, you're planning a full event um, the same as you would before. I think all of the steps before the actual race day are, are pretty similar. Uh, Steve, would you agree? Yes. And Jody and Norm, if I can recommend something. So just talking about social media. So we knew that was a big issue for us. So I would recommend this company called The Green Monkey. And there's two <laughs> great ladies who own that company. And they have done wonders for our race, Jess and Julie. And I remember sitting down with those ladies with uh, Angela and Mike in their office. And uh, yeah, it's been a great relationship because I know nothing really about it. I'll be honest with you. So I really rely on that expertise and uh, Jess and Julie, hundred percent worth they're, they're Plus they're part of our team. Great. Yes. Ladies. Yes. Are, they great ladies. are they in their twenties? <laughs> no. What, what, Jess, yeah. help me out here. What, how should I answer that? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I need this relationship going strong, Norm. I need it going strong. <laughs> so. no, and I think, especially when you're doing a community-focused run, it's important to connect with other people in the community that you can maybe partner with in certain ways that can build certain strengths, or they have certain strengths that yeah. you can kind of uh, rely on. So I think that that's important, especially a community-focused run. Yeah. I think I just find that really point. interesting. Sorry, I find that really interesting because I'm not really a social media, just for us is, is amazing. So mm-hmm. I find that really interesting that you've had to really tap into, and Steve, I'm assuming for you guys as well, that the social media plays an important role in is it <laughs> advertising, is it generating interest? Is it like, and, and, and I'm asking because I actually don't know the answer to the question. Um, like why is social media play such an important role? And just you, I mean, this is your, your baby. So yeah, feel free to elaborate. Yeah, I, th- I think right now everything is virtual. Everything is online. Um, you can't go out to public. I mean, sure there's um, the boards and grocery stores, but other than that, you're not connecting with businesses or picking up business cards, posters, postcards, that sort of thing. So everything really is more on the digital media, digital advertising side of things. And social media is free. So why not take advantage of that? It's really like, um, like word of mouth is everything. Social media is word of mouth. It's just spreading awareness and spreading the news. Um, and it, that's what is so important especially if it's focused on a community. Orangeville and surrounding area has an, an amazing following. So that definitely helps um, with Compass Run for Food. I can speak to that side of things. Um, Jody and Norm, what, what, do, what are you guys noticing on the social media advertising side of things? Well, for us, um, we had to expand outside of Dufferin County just because I think we've done a decent job about letting Dufferin County know about us. And in order for 
us to get the same participation that we want year after year with new events, we had to tap into that larger community. And that's where it's been challenging because we have spent dollars on Facebook and Instagram. And I feel like I need to have a, a college degree to figure out how to do an ad on Facebook. Cause every time I go in there, the rules have changed. <laughs> you know, you don't t tick off one little square and no one sees your ad. So that's why Norm made the 20 year old joke because we feel so ancient <laughs> trying to tackle putting up things on Facebook. Like it used to be simple, but it's not simple anymore. My, my thumbs are hurting right now. <laughs> They're in therapy. <laughs> You're right. Things, things change all the time. So it's, it's one of those things where the, the learning curve just continues to grow because it just as soon as you think you understand everything, everything changes. <laughs> And not just that, but our virtual runs that we have now are worldwide or not, at least national because mm -hmm. we have the Canadian National Parks and then we have our Monarch, which is a whole other ball game. So it's a matter of trying to tap into a bigger, the, yeah, because we're going outside of. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Steve, can you share with us how virtual racing came about with the Compass Run for Food and what is the response you had from going virtually? Well, we had to do it because we, we were always the second Saturday in June um, because we want the kids involved and, you know, school years wrap, you know, stopping or slowing down the, the kid, the cross country teams are going. So that's when we had it. And of course, obviously with COVID that changed everything for us. Uh, we couldn't do it. Um, but I think the team basically just said, you know what, we got to continue. Like we cannot stop. We cannot not do this. And so the virtual was the only option. And I'm going to tell you, it's, well, Jack, you really, you really, really want to open up my eyes to it. I have no idea. Like I'm, I'm over 50. I got no idea. And so you really kind of explained things to me. And we have a we have a great team. So we said, okay, we're going to do it virtually. And away we go. And so that was just that was just the decision. I'll be honest with you. I miss race day. I know I know that there's benefits, but I really miss race day. I because I, I remember the. That would have been what the, the 2019 race, we had over 700 runners the, the place was packed, the synergy, the barbecues going, the music's happening. I'm hearing rat and YouTube playing and the music. I love it. And I'm just having so much fun. And uh, so I miss that. That's so that's the downside to it. I, I know there's lots of pluses, but I'm hoping to someday get back to that as if we can't. Um, so, but you know what? So, so it is what it is, but uh, we weren't going to stop as a team. And plus people are hungry. And so we're telling our corporate sponsors, we're still doing this, uh, however it's going to look. And, uh, and they're with us. Like we didn't lose anybody. There's no corporate stuck with us. They didn't leave. And then of course we met this year as a team. Uh, again, I think everybody wanted to play. Like we did not want to miss out on another race. So we said, okay, we're going to go virtual. You know, if, if we could, like I'm, we're like, I, I know what the reality is. If we could do a little bit of in person, it'd be great. I think the reality is they're here to stay. So even if you have a race day, it's going to be some people are going to come and some people are going to want to do virtual. And that's okay. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, you won't have, probably won't have the bigger numbers that we had two years ago. Uh, and that's okay. But I, it's definitely here to stay. And that's fine. And, um, but for us, uh, the cause is still important. And, and again, corporate knows what we're doing this year. And actually, I'm very happy with how things are uh, progressing with the 2020 race. We, we've actually brought on new sponsors because they've seen what we've done the last seven years and they're all in for like, okay, food insecurity, helping people, helping kids. Yeah, we're, we're in. So it's a, uh, it's a tough sell, but it's an easy sell. If that, if that makes sense, it sometimes depends on who you're talking to, but um, so we're going to try to do both, but I think the reality is we'll be virtual again and that's fine. Um, I, what I, what I did love about the, the 2020 race is cause you know, I, we had, um, we had still had the Canadian flag, still had the police cruisers. We still, we had actually a live singing of national anthem by uh, by uh, Beck, she was outstanding. We did like McDonald's was there. We did a drive-through, pick up some coffee, some sweets, drive around the bender, pick up your race kit. So we try to still make it as a race day feel as we could, uh, which was still fun. So it was a really good time. And we'll do that. If it's virtual this year, we're gonna do the exact same thing again. We're gonna make it fun. Like it actually was gonna be a live race. Cause uh, there's-, there's and, and I'm wearing my Compass Run for Food shirt. Nice, nice. That's job. an awesome shirt. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. I'm all decked out. It's comfy. Well, well, that's what that's the reason why that came about, Jody, is because we went to a fall race. So let's do long sleeper. And then, of yeah. course, we changed up the material. So that was actually just a, a great benefit for going to a fall race. Because, yeah, great so, choice. Yeah. And I love the church. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Mm -hmm. 
So can you guys elaborate on what is the benefit of racing as an organizer and as a participant? Because, you know, um, we're all kind of participating now on the virtual side. So as an organizer, you said there's a lot of work involved, but what are some of the benefits for you guys and for those people running if someone's interested in trying something new? So Steve, what's some of the benefits as an organizer for the virtual race? Well, to some degree, um, well, for sure, the, the work up the race day is easier. Like, Jackie, you, you had our team that takes care of all the volunteers. Like, we have, what, 50-plus people come that day, so you have to organize them. And, of course, I'm a, I'm a big believer in being organized and knowing what your role is and what you got to do. It just makes race day so much fun. And uh, so you do a great job with that. So I, that area was easy because we went from, like, 50-plus uh, uh, volunteers to, like, 10 <laughs> You know, so it was a lot easier. Uh, getting resources was easier as well because we didn't uh, need as much. So, uh, so which was good. So um, I found really from that perspective, it, it wasn't that tough. But it's almost like you, most of the work for us now is really at, at the front end. And once we get all that done, corporate, you know, shirts picked, you know, the, the dates are already there. Everything else is kind of easy. We just have to just social media and let's get people aware. The weather's coming. It's going to be great and people are going to sign up. So um that's definitely uh definitely the benefit the benefit of it um i'm gonna find out specifically what it's like because i'm actually gonna do my more my chili half jersey so i'm doing the chili half on saturday i'm gonna run my 21k and so um so and then what i guess i just send in my time to uh to the chili half people <laughs> and that's it so that again like that's the, chili that day <laughs> i think we're gonna be in the pluses and we're gonna be okay um, but that, but that'll be the downside, right? Because I'd rather be crossing the finish line in Burlington and having a bunch of fun that I'm just, I'm just going to basically run around the community 21 K and once I done my stopwatch and I'll just post my time. So, but, uh, but so that I'll, I'll experience what a virtual run is like on Saturday. Hmm. Jody and Norma, I know that you run or you put on quite a few runs. Um, are there any that you have done virtually so far this year? Is that is that the one, Jody, that you did the the fifty k? Was that was that all virtual? Oh, me personally? Yes, personally. Yeah, I signed up for um, a Mount Fuji challenge, so it was seventy six k over the course of I think forty days, um, and that was just to kind of get me back into it again. And then they send you a medal and um, they send you information about Mount Fuji. So I enjoyed that. I, I will do virtuals, but to keep myself really, really on target, I have to put my money on a big race because yeah. that's what's going to keep my training in check. Um, and I have fallen off. So I have to pretend that there's a big race in the fall <laughs> to get me through the summer. It's just, <laughs> that's what's going to keep me going. But I think Again, that virtual appeals to a different crowd. I think it's getting new people to the sport who may eventually want to try an in-person race, but that are happy to show their runs on, you know, Instagram, show the Garmin uh, photo that we're all familiar with. <laughs> you know, it, it's a different crowd. And the more people that we can bring to the sport, the better. We've seen so many new runners in town this, this yeah. winter, you know, normally we'd be driving to Metro and he'd be like, Oh yeah, there's Jackie and there's Ryan and there's so-and-so this year. I was like, who's that? Well, who's that? I don't recognize that. So it, was, it was awesome because that means that new people are trying it and hopefully loving it. I have a question for you guys. Do you, do you guys all run virtual races as well? So I am actually probably the one of the only non-runners here. Um, and you guys are so motivating to me that I really want to get back into it. And actually, I think it was probably in 2014. I don't know if you guys owned the store still and if you were doing the Learn to Run um, program mm -hmm. then. But I actually joined that year. And that was the first year that I really focused on running. It was amazing. It helped me. I get it was probably the year before 2013 because 2014 I was pregnant I was definitely not running um <laughs> but 2013 so the, the the goal for that was I believe um to lead up to the 5k and finish the 5k at compass run for food I didn't make it that far uh that was actually the first time that I heard of compass run for food so it's amazing how I've really come for full circle there <laughs> 
Um, and it's amazing that you guys are both, you guys are all here today. Um, so that's kind of my experience with running. Um, definitely, I'm definitely a beginner. <laughs> well, when you look at, for everyone else who looks at virtual races, what is the one thing that captures your attention about, oh, that's an interesting idea. I'm going to do that. Is it the metal? Is it the swag? Is it the idea? So for me, I actually do a lot of virtual races. Um, I'm just doing the Wolf Walk Challenge. So I have some swag oh. there. The dog and I go, we have 500K. I'm doing the Great Lakes. I like doing long distances. I did, uh, I ran across Spain last year. I <laughs> ran across New Zealand last year. So for me, cause I call myself turtle plotter. So I'm super slow. And I don't feel that intimidation when everyone's passing me. I just go out, do my fun thing. Um, I do like the swag. The swag's an incentive for me. Mm. Um, but I like recording and I like comparing to where I was last year. So for me, the longer the distances, it's a challenge, but it's the challenge of the miles and not the time. The time for me is daunting. The time is, oh, to do a marathon in five hours would be like, not happening for me. So I personally love virtual races, love them. And I guess I should add that I do love virtual races and runs, but I'm not a runner. So I take them on as a hiker or a walker. Um, so I have done the runs before, but definitely at a much slower, slower, slower pace than a lot of runners. Um, but I still get the 5k in just at a very slow pace. Um, and for me, I think it is the swag. I, a couple of years ago, I joined the Ho Ho Holidays 5K, which is, um, they're out of Collingwood. So just imagine a couple thousand Santas running down yes. Collingwood. And they went virtual last year. So we signed up for that, uh, just basically for the swag. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all the fun themed races. It's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the other, that's the other thing about virtuals is it appeals to walkers and hikers and cyclists that's right. you don't have to be a runner yeah, yeah for myself i'm a i'm a hiker walker as well and i have uh friends who love doing virtual races and they get to do them all over the world which i think is fantastic um and then i think it, it makes the world a little bit of a smaller place because you know when you follow those hashtags or you follow the the groups who were doing those runs then you have an opportunity to connect with people all over the world. Um, you can compete with random strangers who may become best friends, who may become your running partner in a couple of years, depending on how it goes. And, you know, some people were super sad because they missed uh, the Disney run, um, but, you know, they'll know that they'll be able to do it again, or it brought up memories. And I think the opportunity to do a virtual run um, is fantastic. And for us being like more of a community-based run uh, as a compass run for food, when you're, out on island lake and you walk by or you're walking around and then like four people go by and three of them are wearing different year shirts but then like right and it's just it, it's great because you look at them like i kind of poke my wife and like there's a compass run shirt right there mm -hmm. and she's like oh here we go again you know i almost want to pull over on the side of the road when i'm seeing people I'm like yeah compass run good job and uh yeah it's it's, it's a great opportunity to make a community out of like social distancing but bringing it a lot smaller yeah like i'm i'm with jody like i i do it like i'm, I'm motivated i mean in a prideful way but i i need a race like i've kind of switched what i'm doing is i'm i'm actually looking to go towards iron man uh because i just love the, the different disciplines the swimming the biking i'm learning how to swim now i'm having a blast Good for um, you. but it's um yeah i'm actually I'm, I'm on the waiting list for the arizona one in the fall and I've mm. i'm on the waiting list for the half in muskoka in august so they're waiting to see whether they can do a race or not. But uh, so there's two things here. So I'm with you, Jody. Um, it just, I just need, okay, I got to do this. So I, I got 21K. I got to do it by this time. It just helps me with my training and preparing and then balancing with the bike. And then when I was in the pool and, and not in the pool. But uh, just going back to one thing, I, I, when I started swimming last year, for example, because obviously tries and running, like it's all together. The people that you get to meet, I'm meeting people. Like some of these guys, like there's, I'm swimming with a guy, Bob Nucky. Bob Nucky is 72. You guys know, he holds Kona Ironman world record. He broke yeah, it by he's a world champion. 100%. That's awesome. I'm swimming with the guy who's a world champion and like I can barely go 50 meters. But yeah. uh, I love my swim coach, Miguel. Like he's, he's only one of 60 oh, yeah. people that swim Lake Ontario. He's the fourth fastest male. He trains high level athletes and he's training me how to swim. Like I just, 
I just love the people that you're around. And uh, so that's why, you know, yeah, I virtually it's, it's, so it's good for to um, train, but then also you're also meeting good people with similar interests and, and similar goals. So, which, which is good. So there's a, there's a double benefit to it. Yep. Right. Um, we've talked a lot about experienced runners. Can we talk about the beginner runners? Do you, um, I mean, everyone has to start somewhere and I start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about the beginners. Is there any motivational tips or where, where can they start? Um, do you guys have any suggestions? There's lots of, um, couch to 5k programs out there. Um, I think what, there's a couple of things that we heard over and over again is that someone tried on their own to run and in their mind, you know, one K is not a lot and you know, to run it. But when you're just starting out, one K is a marathon. (laughs) And that's because you're preparing your lungs. You're preparing your legs to take on the impact and the, the, um, stress, right. And you can't just expect because you're, you're fit in another way that that translates to running, just like Steve found out he can run 21 K, but he can't swim a length of the pool. That's normal. That's to be expected, but people think, oh, I could run a K. So they try, they fail, they stop. The other thing is, uh, you hear knees, my knees hurt, my knees hurt. I can't stress enough how important a good pair of shoes is. I will always say this, even though we don't own a running store anymore, get properly fitted for shoes. They make the world of difference. Mm -hmm. Don't wear the shoes you wear out in the garden, the ones you wear to the gym. A fashion shoe. Yeah. Get properly fitted because it will, it will really help. How often should you change out a pair of shoes? It's good if you could keep track uh, by how many kilometers you put on them. So the, the average shoe is about 600 kilometers. It depends on the shoe. And if you can't, then, then just think about, you know, three times a week, do the math in your head, you know, your average per month, what you would put on them. And you have to count if you're wearing those shoes in the gym as well, which is fine. That gym workout counts as let's say a 5k run. You can't see them wearing out necessarily. They wear from the inside out sometimes. So it is important to switch them up for sure. That's a good question. I would, I personally train for three months with a pair of shoes. I'll race in those shoes. They're done. Throw them out. And, and keep in mind, Norm runs really long distance. <laughs> so that's not the average person. <laughs> you know, it was, it was my, because I agree with you guys. So it was my uncle that taught me. Obviously, it depends on, um, yeah, what you need but cushion so light shoes are so important for distance so after i after i do a marathon training which could be like four months give or take those shoes were gone and sometimes i actually had a second shoe so like i also i always because it was actually rima who taught me this like your your long distance shoes your race day shoes that's your long distance you never you always wear those in long runs but if i was doing a shorter run i would maybe like once a week just wear a different pair of shoes just to keep the cushion in the main mm-hmm. shoe that yeah. i was gonna wear so two shoes are good yeah, and just going back to your question there, and and, and um, dovetailing on Jody there. So I'm I'm training with a guy that we we both never done. We actually did two try tries this um, this past um, summer, Billy. And so Billy's never done a half marathon, and he's going to do what I'm doing uh, in a few more weeks. So so going back to your question, I think having an accountability partner when it comes to run uh, is so important. Uh, if you've got somebody like Billy and I chat all the time, like how should I do this, or I just give him some advice, but he goes out and does his runs when he can do it. So having and we text back and forth. I did this today. What are you doing? You know, those are actually, and that, that what makes it fun because you get, you get kind of annoyed if he's doing more than you. Like, I don't, you're not going to beat me. I'm going to do more. So, so having people, even if it's learning to what 1K, 2K, 5K, it doesn't matter. Having somebody there with you and just having, okay, making sure you're doing your training is huge because that keeps you motivated and on track. Would you do a virtual triathlon? Yeah, well, that's kind of how they did it, because uh, it wasn't a true one this past summer. Their norm, even when they did their, because um, C three runs the um, runs the quarry there down in Caledon in Village, right? So you swam in the quarry, and then they had two different spots in Caledon where you where you you drove to, and then you you biked and you ran. So mm. and so, but no, no, having said that, you're right. So we did have people with us, uh, but uh, so that like. But the heats were different. They, uh, especially for the swimming portion, they only had like four people per like that heat. Uh, but then when you did the the bike and the the run, 
uh, you'd be uh, you'd be a pretty much on your own. But I, I would do one because I'm just kind of into this now. I just I think this is so much fun. I actually brought the book, so now you're an Ironman. So <laughs> my wife can swim and she can bike. She's done all this stuff, and I'm so I'm gonna do a couple of sl- uh, shameless plugs of why I'm doing this. So uh, Jeff from Cycling Elements and Rich Patey. So I couldn't <laughs> run a couple winters ago. So I had to do their their bike thing that, over Habitat for Humanity, and so. I'm the only one who should not be there. There's all these roll bikes and dry bikes. I got a mountain bike. I'm the guy in the back row corner. Shouldn't be in this group. But <laughs> did I ever have so much fun training? Rich was great. Jeff was great. So I said, oh, I, I can bike. I can do this. I know I can run already. And then I read this book. So Six Weekend Warriors who did the Air, the 2009 Arizona Ironman. I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn how to swim. So I hate to do this visually to you, but my wife bought me a wetsuit and a Speedo. And uh, July of last year, we're swimming and uh, Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> and away we go. So, and then that, hence that's where my accountability, my partner, Billy came in, we're learning, we're doing this and we're having a blast. So, and it's really like going back to the beginning, it's the people you meet, it's the targets you obtain. There's the things you do as an individual you can obtain. And then you can start seeing, I can do a lot of things here. I actually can do this. I can run this distance. I can swim this distance. And, and yeah, the people that you meet part is part of the journey. That's what makes it fun. The, the last thing I want to say for the beginners is don't be fooled when you see runners out there and they look like they're graceful and they're not breathing and they're not sweating. They are. The best part of running is when you stop. And the reason I say that is because the feeling you get, and it's not necessarily runners high, but you feel accomplished, you feel energized, and that carries you through your day. It's not necessarily the run. It's when you stop and the feeling you get. I would you not agree? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. Our our podcast is called Food and Fitness, and we're really trying to gear it towards normal people. And I appreciate you saying this because when I see you cross a finish line after 100k and you're smiling, I'm like, that is not <laughs> me. But I totally get the end feeling. So I think it's really important when you see people that are doing these amazing things that at one point, everyone started in the exact same spot. Somebody walked out the door, they put on a pair of running shoes and they just went for a run. Whether it was six years old or 66 years old, that first step always came with with everybody. So I I completely Mm -hmm. appreciate that. any closing words from you guys about virtual races, your organizations, please do shameless plugs and future races in general, if you could forecast where we're going to go. Well, you can plug away. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you, since you mentioned it. <laughs> oh, we, what are these doing here? <laughs> <laughs> what are it just chances? magically showed up. What are the chances? Yeah. <laughs> So the first virtual series that we released this year is called We Run the North. We Run the North, celebrating Canada's national parks. So we chose a national park in each province and territory, all 13. And it's a 10K series, one per month. And just because we've already started, it doesn't mean that you can't join in. It's just we're highlighting. We've added an education element. So we're highlighting a national park each month on our social channels and we're sending our participants an email about that park but we created our designer created uh, metals that connect so i don't know if you can see but they connect to one another oh yeah cool puzzle piece metals yeah so that was really fun love it and then the second one that we're involved in is called the monarch ultra and it's an actual relay run that started in 2019 and it went from Peterborough to Mexico. So it was 4,300 kilometers. Runners did 50K segments at a time. It took 46 days and a team from Canada and a team from the States put it on and they were going to do it again this year. And of course, because of COVID, they've limited the relay to within Ontario. Well, as we know, Ontario is pretty big. (laughs) So they've managed to create a route of 1,700 kilometers within Ontario. It's the migration of the monarch. Right. So it's to represent the, the original relay was to represent the migration of the monarch. So we're doing it in Ontario. They asked me to come on board as the race director. 
So I recommended to them, because we're not going through the U.S. and Mexico this year, how about we add a virtual element? <laughs> so they love that idea so that everyone can get involved. So we have a, a virtual monarch as well. And that's a 10K that you can run, walk, hike, bike. And that's, and I didn't know anything about the monarch butterfly before we started this. So it was education for me. And I could not name one national park in Canada. That's right. I can name them in the States. <laughs> but I can't name one in Canada, but now I can name them. So it's education. Yeah. Yeah. So that's <laughs> been an interesting. And you're educating because you're going to give information about each of the national parks. Yes. Which I think is right. awesome because, you know, we spend a lot of time looking outside of Canada. So well done for you guys. Thank you. Steve, how you about can you? Sign up on. Gotta run racing.com. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to include those links as well to both gotarunracing.com and the Compass Run for Food. So that people want more information, they'll know who to contact and hopefully sign up for both of your races as well. Thank you. (laughs) Go to a good cause. Steve, do you want to uh, give us a little bit of uh, a wrap on the date for this year's Compass Run and the best place to find the information? Well, if I have to, David, sure. <laughs> no problems. No, so uh, so we're going to do our race on October, Saturday, October 2nd. And um, that, that's going to be for sure a race pickup kit day. Uh, you can run that day or we're going to give people 30 days to run and then just let us know. Um, our goal is $65,000. Um, uh, I think we're going to reach it. Uh, it. It was tough last year. We actually did 64, but it still got us to a quarter million dollars that we donated but $65. I think, I think we can do it because the, the need is great. So it's a fun race. Uh, like Jody said, like races, they need races, they need focus and we're what, you know, to plan their training. So it's, it's good that way, but then like everybody wins because we're feeding people in our community people. And I, I, one thing that when, when we started this, I don't think anybody really thought people in Dufferin County are hungry, but there's a lot of hungry people out there. And so, and going back to what Jack said there with fitness and food, uh, we're going to feed people and we're going to get them fit. And that's what we're going to do. And this is one way that we're going to do it. And it's been a great ride. Uh, I love the team. Uh, you guys know that. Uh, I love corporates coming on board. I, when we have success in corporate, I get really happy about that. The numbers are great. I love the schools being involved. It's, it has really, truly become a huge community. That I, and I don't mean that pridefully. I mean, that's just, that's what's happened. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, we got our knuckles scraped and we've learned lessons and it hasn't been easy, but it's it's just a great cause and it's just getting kids uh, just involved. I, that's really kind of my focus too, or our focus too, because we realize um, what can happen and roads, they can go down and that has got, that's got, that's a different discussion for a different podcast. Um, but when you feed, I, I always say this for, especially for the kids, when we feed and we, and we educate, we empower. And those kids, those young people are going to go do amazing things in this world because they just feel so uh, strong in their character, their achievement goals. They didn't think they could run one kilometer. They ran five, you know, and they're not hungry. And uh, there's just such a big trickle down effect in that. So that's just the, that's the beauty and the bonus of Compass Run for Food. And that's why, like, that's why we're at year eight and we're not stopping. And so that is probably going back to what, uh, kind of their initial conversation that's been the beauty of virtual race because we didn't have to stop in 2019. We still did a 20 race and we're going to do a 2021 race. And if we have to do a 2022 race, we're going to do it again. It doesn't matter. So we did not stop and virtual racing allowed us to continue. And the reality is it's now with us, no matter what it's with us, even if we do start doing uh, in-person racing. So it's uh, it's been a win-win. It's been a good vehicle for allow us to continue on to help those in need in our community. Because I can't tell you enough uh, that, uh, um, you know, each of you has shared some really wonderful stories. And I still, you know, go back to the stories really revolve around the theme of community and how community can come together and help others and learn um, about each other and about things. So well done. I really want to thank you guys for taking your time out of the day to speak with us to share your stories about your organizations, about virtual races. And again, we're going to include links to your races and contact information as well. So I hope we've enlightened people about, you know, virtual races and given a little more information about food and fitness. So well done. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Having Thanks for having us.
chatted about goals in the last podcast and we developed some goals. So let's expand on that today and, and let's craft our goals so that they follow SMART. And SMART stands for specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. So Dave, can you tell us about your SMART goal and have you formatted your goal to hike into a SMART goal? So tell us about what your goal is, just to remind us, and then you know, format it into specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. Yeah, so my, our goal is to have, uh, to have walked, hiked a uh, thousand kilometers within 2021. And it's really nice because we are in 2021. Technology is, uh, is fantastic. We're able to uh, track all of our distances on Strava. So anytime that um, I go, we go out, you know, we track it on Strava. It's super accurate. doesn't matter where we're going, if we're going to be around the neighborhood, if we're around Island Lake, if we're going on a trail, every step that we take is, uh, is measured, which is nice. Uh, it makes it great because we also track it on our calendar. So, you know, at the end of every month, uh, we have every day written in, we add it all up and go, Oh, we're this far through a thousand kilometers, uh, which is great. And so far, I think it's obs- very realistic for us to do that because we're almost halfway um, and we're just about to finish the year so, or just about to, uh, we just finished the first quarter. So just going that far, we're looking for maybe doing 1500, not making that the new goal, but definitely starting right now with a uh, thousand. It's definitely a possibility. I love the fact that you say we, because we talked in our, with Norm, Jody and Steve about accountability and it sounds like you have someone you're accountable to, hence the pronoun we. Yes. I don't know if it's uh, accountable as um, motivational and uh, pushing. So in a positive way. Uh, so yeah, Joe and I, my wife, we love to go out hiking and walking together. So when usually when I refer to stuff in regards to those things, it's we, we do it together. Uh, we encourage one another and, you know, she'll go out for a couple of kilometers with some friends sometimes. I'll go out and do my thing while she's busy on, uh, on another call, but it's a, it's a goal that we want to do together. That is awesome. Yeah. So how about you, Jess? Can you tell us about your SMART goal? Mine's a little bit more long-winded, so here we go. Um, <laughs> last episode, I did share with everyone that my goal was somewhat of a two-part goal. And just for a reminder, I was uh, kind of part one uh, to figure out what my trigger foods are and part two to find recipes that I can add into my diet that I enjoy um, that don't cause me any side effects. So what I failed to share last week was how and when and kind of more of the smart goal aspects of this to achieve my goal. So I am going to do this by keeping a daily food diary of what I eat and then noting beside those items, how I feel after I'm eating it. So this will help me to identify those trigger foods. And I'm going to do this every day for two months. So with a lot of acid reflux diets, they suggest more of a 28 day healing um, because I don't know what my trigger foods are. It's going to take me a little bit longer. So I'm adding in that little buffer space. I have found an amazing cookbook and a few other great books that specific are made specifically for patients who have acid reflux. And I've also joined a support group on Facebook. So that's going to help with um, the attainability side of things and the support. So the support group has people who have similar symptoms that I do, and we can kind of, everyone shares their triggers um, and shares recipes that are low in alkaline. Um, so that kind of leads into my part two, finding those foods that I enjoy that aren't going to give me all those side effects. So once I find a recipe that I do like that doesn't give me any issues. I'm going to write that down in a new um, recipe journal so I can keep track of that. Uh, so that's kind of what my SMART goal is. I love it. I look forward to hearing following both of your journeys. I think that they're great goals. Again, heard the same word, community, right? It doesn't have to be, I don't have to be married to the person, 
but I've got a community with regards to social media as well. So my goal was pretty specific already. I wanted to run, well, I want to run 50 kilometers in September, like I did last year, hopefully at a real race, but I think the way things are going, it's going to be virtual. Um, it is realistic for me. I can measure it via my watch. So I love my Garmin. I love posting it on, uh, I don't love posting on Strava, but I, I post it to keep track. I don't post it for other people to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I've set a time for when my goal is going to be accomplished. September, uh, the the race is 11th uh, or 13th. I can't remember what the Saturday is. Um, however, I'm going to struggle with attainability. And um, one of the, the things that I'm going to struggle with is my, my husband's a huge motivator and he's currently injured. And so injuries are a big problem for us. And his injury because when he goes for a run and I don't go, it really pulls me along. So I've been going by myself, which is tougher to do. And I've been dealing with a chronic problem as well. So um, that's part of the issue, but we're gonna talk about barriers that we're going to face because if attaining all goals were easy, everybody would do it. And so recognizing those barriers are certainly something that we're gonna have to figure out so that we can navigate how to continue to um, reach our goals without, you know, with, without letting those barriers stop us. So, yeah. Great. I think that's a great opportunity for uh, us to sign off for tonight and uh, thank everyone for listening. So um, I think until next time, we'll talk food. We'll talk fitness. And we'll do it together. Thanks for watching this week's episode of Food and Fitness Podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode where we interview Jamie Richards from Ambray Farms and speak about organic and regenerative farming practices, real food, why local truly is best, and we dive further into food insecurity within our own region.